You're listening to the Ending Human Trafficking Podcast. This is episode number 307, Understanding Challenges in Preventing Human Trafficking Among Roma Youth. Welcome to the Ending Human Trafficking Podcast here at Vanguard University's Global Center for Women and Justice in Orange County, California. My name is Sandy Morgan, and this is the show where we empower you to study the issues, be a voice, and make a difference in ending human trafficking. Today, our guest is from Athens, Greece. Her name is Christina Halilopoulou, and she is co-founder and CEO of Alisos Alert. She's a graduate of London Metropolitan University with a degree in European Studies and Ethics, and has also studied leadership for gender equality with the British Council. Christina has served in multiple roles for Greek government entities, overseeing projects for social responsibility, human rights, and policy in social inclusion and sustainability. She's been advisor to the president of the Central Union of Greek Municipalities and a plethora of roles on behalf of education and social integration strategies for Roma people, which are so important to our topic today. There is so much more. So, Christina, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. It's such a great honor to to be invited, and thank you for giving me the opportunity to communicate all the issues that my community is facing. So thank you so very much. I loved meeting you in person when I was in Athens in June, and I plan to be back in Athens next June and see you again in person. So we'll get coffee. Yes, it will be lovely. (laughs) So tell us about the Roma people. I don't think people know very much, and these are your people. Well, you see, Roma originate from northern India, presumably from northwest India. But in Greece, the Roma, or as I like to to make the distinction, uh, the gypsies, they, they, they have been present in Greece since the 14th century. So we are, an, we are not an entirely homogeneous group given that we consist of different and often conflict tribes, we are estimated uh, that we are uh, around 300,000 Greek gypsies that live in Greece. So let me stop you and ask you a question, because I know I when I lived in Greece, it was a little confusing for me in conversations. Are we talking about Roma or gypsy Or is gypsy a synonym for Roma? Can you clarify a little? Well, yes. The thing is that the the term Roma comes from our our dialect, 
and it means uh, a human being. Therefore, in our in our language, Roma is actually means people. But you see, in in Greece, because the constitution does not recognize minorities, and the few decades now, the term Roma actually it tends to mean that it's a minority group. We distinguish ourselves and we say that we are Greek gypsies rather than Greek Roma, because Roma is an international term, but because other countries, and especially in Balkans, their constitution recognize minorities, therefore they recognize Roma as a minority, where here in Greece we don't recognize any minorities in our constitution. We are Greek citizens. Therefore, we make that distinction. So, um, yeah. Thank you. (laughs) So on top of of, of that 300,000 population, we have to also count a significant number of newly arrived Roma who originate mainly from Albania and countries of former Yugoslavia. So that makes around an estimation of 500,000 people who live in Greece. That's half a million. Uh, Yes. And how is their their culture different than the host culture? Uh, Well, you see, because we are in, in Greece since the 14th century, we don't have many differences in our culture apart from the negative thing that we still even today married at uh, an early age um how early uh, quite early at the age of 14 sometimes 15 mm. and in extreme cases even younger so isos alert is actually working on combating early marriages in my community. And we try to to inform as much as we can the community and and why this actually constitutes a a crime because it is illegal to to get married at such an early age. And yes, it's, it's... it's a fight that we give every day. And to be honest, we need the support and all the help that we can get. Because here in Greece, you see the, uh, uh, the, the, the government policy, the state policy, it's not always as near to us as it should and in, in the level that we need to, to, to be. Okay, so let's kind of dive into that, because it feels like that contributes to making Roma more vulnerable to exploitation and even human trafficking. And I'm particularly interested in understanding the forced labor part for children. Mm. I, I was noticing when I was there this year that I still saw children on the corners that I identified as Roma, and they weren't in school, and that bothered me. So let's talk about what that is related to. 
Well, yeah, if 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 we talk about Roma and and trafficking, then we should include sexual exploitation, labor exploitation, domestic servitude, illegal adoption and forced begging. But these are not only the types of trafficking that we have to face. We also need to to see that that we have the the illegal marriages as i mentioned earlier and what makes us vulnerable is the poverty and the social exclusion that we face which results in low educational achievements unfortunately a high level of unemployment and this is something that we of course, we, we need to to overcome. I need to mention that in my community, early and forced marriages are a, a form of gender-based violence. So women who are faced with extreme poverty and social exclusion, they face serious difficulties in accessing social protection systems. Let's go back to this term you're using, social exclusion. Let's give some examples of what that looks like. Uh, well, from uh, education exclusion, we, they, we don't have easy access to health system. We don't have an access to equal uh, employment and these are only our everyday struggle. We, we face so many stereotypes from the, from the society that actually I think it's because the whole of the society has uh, not been trained in order to accept people with who, who face social exclusion. They see us as different, but we are not <laughs> any different. I think the your definition and it clarifying what Roma means, people, it means people. So no, there's no difference between people. Ah, I, I in my living in Greece, I saw that social exclusion. I saw how Roma people, gypsies, were treated differently when I was in a market or when I was in a a public setting. And I couldn't quite understand what I could do to make a difference in changing that. And how some of the questions I had as I began to understand child labor and sexual exploitation, who do I call? How do I get services when I see a youth that I feel might be being exploited? And as a foreigner visiting the country, it was distressing not to have an avenue. There's a hotline for human trafficking, but it it was a little more challenging for a foreigner to use it. It's true. And uh, usually all those campaigns that are available, they're not available for those 
people, for my people, for those young girls and women. So what we need and what we try to do is get the information there and make them feel safe and get them to know their rights because something which is happening um, very often is that we see young girls in a situation where domestic violence is happening, but she cannot recognize that what is happening, it's illegal and that is under the umbrella of domestic violence. And therefore she cannot ask from her family, from her environment, any help. And even if she tries to, the sad thing is that uh, in cases where the young girl actually asked for advice from their mothers, their mothers actually said that you should be patient, probably because the mothers also were victims of domestic violence. So the problem is that they don't know where to um, ask for help. And what we try to do as Alisos Alert is to empower those girls and those women and make them feel safe and let them know where they, they can turn to get help. Okay, so I noticed on your social media for Alisos Alert that you uh, are recognizing International Day Against Violence Against Women, and that's significant. And is that a strategy for educating within the community, or is it more focused on in the greater Greek society? Well, you see, 25th of November, it's the International Day to End Violence Against Women. And what we say and we strongly believe is that forced marriages are uh, an abuse of human rights, and especially where uh, a child is involved uh, in those early enforced marriages. So this is a sort of, of a campaign, a very small campaign, because we are a, a very poor organization and we only work with volunteers. So basically, the work that we do is to inform and empower inside the community and also to try and train the, the society in general to see that if domestic violence is something very uh, bad and very wrong and harmful for a human being, uh, imagine how harmful it is for a person who is excluded from the community, who is um, probably uh, in a, a very, very low educational level, therefore cannot get any help because they cannot... Uh, recognize uh, early stages uh, mm. and how to to read those signs. So imagine how difficult it is for a young girl to actually live and face the the violence that is facing and get help. So we try to also educate in a way, if I can say, educate to educate to inform the whole of the society, and that's where we need 
So for me, as I'm listening to you and having lived there, and I know many times gypsy communities were very mobile, didn't always stay in one place, didn't have access to being part of of broader communities. And that impacted how the children attended school as well. And so when we talk about changing systems to protect the vulnerable, we're talking not just about education as an awareness campaign. If you print posters and you put them up in places where people might be, that requires that those young girls would be able to have that level of reading. And they may not have attended school all the way through high school like most of the population. How is Alyssos Alert addressing that? Well, that's a, a great point because all the work that Alyssos Alert is doing is on the community to the spot. And basically what we do, we try to communicate our messages by audio, <laughs> not mm. by posters that they cannot read, but by audios. So um, we have a, a group of volunteers and we visit each area once a week uh, and we do work on the spot. It is very, very difficult. We are so thankful to our volunteers, but this is something else we need funding that actually will give us the opportunity to be more accessible to those girls and and women. So when I met you, one of the things that really struck me was having a representative from Roma community with a story like yours, because you, you weren't married early. You went to university And I remember a little about that story. Maybe you can share with our listeners, too, because your father was a big piece of that. (laughs) It's true. Well, you see, my mother got married at the age of 14. And by the age of 15, she was uh, a mother. I am the youngest out of five children. And we all got the opportunity to study and live overseas. My father, who was raised in a, in, in a, a nomadic way, he loved education. I think he was so unhappy for not having the opportunity to finish school and study that actually he, he didn't say anything else other than for for us to go to school and finish our studies. That was his uh, biggest dream. So he actually learned to write and read on his own. And uh, he, he dreamt of being a lawyer. Unfortunately, he didn't study, he didn't go to school, but he worked day and night with my mom in order for us to finish school and study. And he he faced a sort of bullying from his family and from his community because at that 
um, years, those years, to go to school for my biggest sisters and brothers, it was something almost not acceptable. <laughs> so, mm. so yes, he he was, and he's the reason that we actually finished our studies and we went to universities, and he is the reason that he taught us how, how to love our community, that we have uh, a moral obligation to help those people and to to be the, the bond between our community and the whole of the world. Because I think people, due to their everyday life, they don't have the chance to think and realize how difficult life is for people to live um, legally. And when I say legally, I mean when the laws do not allow you to work legally um, and that actually puts you in a, in a very difficult and bad situation as an illegal worker and why do I say this? Because gypsies, the, the only thing that they are good at <laughs> so far, mm -hmm. it's trade. So here in Greece, in order for someone to, to work in a marketplace, they need a license. And well, he, here in Greece, Roma people, they don't have the licenses because governments, they have a limited number of uh, licenses that are given. Therefore, those people are almost punished to live and work illegally. So imagine how difficult it is to work illegally and not having the money that a family needs in order to feed and dress their children so they can go to school as everybody else so they are not the 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 children that actually are separated from the rest because they don't have the right clothes or the right shoes so here in Greece children they do face bullying from in a, from a very young age and that makes them not willing to go to school. Okay, so so this kind of like brings us back to where we started with the issue around poverty. So it becomes a vicious cycle. And without the education, even if everything is lined up in a community to get it a license, you have a lot of paperwork to have to fill out, requires some reading skill and just all of the things, and you've got to have a stable address, you can't be nomadic, you can't be moving. Uh, and so so it feels like we need to make some changes. And Alyssos Alert has been a leader in trying to advocate for changes in government policy, even legislation. What are your goals for that in this season? Well... As you said, uh, I have worked in the past as an advisor to uh, former prime ministers and ministers. And even though I know the problems that my community actually faces, 
what I saw, it was, I found it difficult, not from my side of view, but it was difficult for the, the, the governments actually to, to make the necessary policies in order to include my people according to their needs. So what we are trying to do is lower the rate of uh, school dropping because even though education is a priority for the rest of the world, uh, for my community, it is not. And uh, for my community, priority is to be able to work in order to feed your family. So, uh, yes, I think I think we need to empower the the girls and the young people in my community to show them the way that education is the the only and the right way to go, and they need to know that they do have somebody to rely on and that's what we try to do we we try to be Alisus Alert is trying to be that stone that they can rely on and I really appreciate in your Alisos Alert strategy that you include research as well as policy analysis. You don't just put together a program and come and say, do this. You have the research. And in your last um, project with the government, collecting data from all of the regional municipalities was really important. Because if I, as like working with UN children, come and look at Greek statistics on education, it looks pretty good. But if I have data about Roma children and education, then I'm going to direct more attention to understanding what the underlying issues are so that I can support your goal of reducing school dropout, reducing the resistance to even going to school because of the bullying and the stereotypes. And that's going to take full community that cares. I'm curious about your partners in Athens. I have seen through your CV that you have been very effective across different public institutions, the private sector, civil society. Are there some areas that are more receptive and building more collaboration? Um, Not really. (laughs) Ah, okay. So it's one of your goals, but you haven't really seen the, the fruit of that. Okay. It needs hard work. Um, what I I had to face is that I I had to work three and four times harder than anybody else in order to convince them why we should actually work on that community and why we should give opportunities to education to um, uh, working uh, through uh, working environments. And it was always very, very hard to convince, especially the, the state, 
officials. But uh, I did find people who had good intentions to to work and to actually uh, design policy. But you see, good intentions are not enough. What we need is we need to involve more people from my community who actually have gone that extra mile and they finished their studies and they do have all the necessary qualifications that in order to work in national and international organizations. And this is something that it would make me very happy if I if I see it happening. Because until now, what I, I've seen and what I've actually uh, dealt with, it was people outside from my community designing policies. Because, as I said, they had good intentions, but they had lack of knowledge. Mm. Uh, and that is a, a huge, huge, huge gap. That's a that's a really important observation, Christina. And I want our listeners to go back and listen. I'll put this episode number in the show notes to to listen to Dr. Shantina Sorrell's about human centered design. In my world, we have a saying nothing for us without us. So having people from outside the community design programs and develop projects, they're not going to have as much success because they're not informed by the lived experience of the people within the community. So uh, listeners, please go back and listen to that and think about how in your setting, how you can help improve the situation for people who may be in the same category of social exclusion. Christina, I was so taken by our opportunity to meet before because I see you as changing the next generation opportunities, much like your father did for you. He resisted the status quo, and he changed the trajectory for your entire family. Thank you. Um, I don't know what to say. Thank you so much. I, I really love what I do. I don't know if, if it shows, but I, I feel like I'm a, a woman in love. <laughs> And I and I do it. What I do, I I do it because I strongly believe in it, and I I love my community, and I'm trying to find ways to help as much as I can. Uh, hopefully, something good will come out of <laughs> of all this effort that I'm putting in. So, fingers crossed. Uh-huh. I don't know. But having said that before, uh, for designing policies uh, for us, without us, it's it's crazy if we just think that how much funding it has been spended, billions, to design policy in order to, 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 to achieve inclusion, 
But unfortunately, the only thing that until today have succeeded is the exclusion of my community. And that makes me wonder why this is happening. And the only answer that I, I give is that because the all the state governmental and international organizations, they do not include in the level that they should people from the community. You are a a warrior, you're a path maker, just like your father. And I believe that you are going to be successful because you are persistent and you care so much about your community. I look forward to seeing you again when I'm in Greece in June and learning more and getting more involved. Uh, Our time is up. It went by so quickly. Thank you so much, Christina, for joining me. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It was such a pleasure. And thank you for the honor. I look forward in seeing you again in Athens. It was such a lovely discussion that we had. Thank you so much for that opportunity. Thank you for listening to this episode. Please go over to our endinghumantrafficking.org website to find the show notes with links to the things we've mentioned in this conversation with Christina. You'll find links to other opportunities like our Anti-Human Trafficking Certificate Program. And if you haven't visited our site before, go over and become a subscriber and you'll receive a note with highlights from each episode once every two weeks. And of course, I'll be back for our next conversation in two weeks.